Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Got a little slip-sliding action going on over there. Hey, um, before we get started this morning, I, I want to call Pastor Rob Martinez up here. Some of you already know Pastor Rob. But um, Rob has just joined us uh, on staff full time. And many of you know that Pastor David just retired in December and he was our maintenance kind of washed all our campuses, and then he, he moved on, and we needed to bring somebody on. And so we've asked Rob to take on that role and respond to, to care of our, take care of our, our campuses and those things. I know it's got a little bushy out there from the rain. You probably drive and say, Pastor P, what's all that jungle out there? And stuff like that. But um, Lord willing, it'll be gone by next week. We got a little behind on some of the stuff, but Rob's going to help us manage all that, get our properties, make sure they're all cleaned up, make sure they're going, and taking care of God's temple and all that he's doing there. So I just want to pray, just in addition, I want to pray for him as he's helping take care of God's house. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you again this morning for your love and blessings, for your goodness, for mercy, and grace. Lord, I thank you that uh, Pastor Rob has joined us now. Lord, I know he's been with our family for a long time, but now you have him in this place for this time to care for his people and care for his house, Lord. And um, Father, anoint his hands, anoint the things, bring him the things he needs to make sure that we represent you well in the community and all that we're doing just by caring for the things that you blessed us with, that we would be good stewards of it, Lord. And so be with him as he leads us out in those things. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, I know uh, Easter just around the corner. We're already advertising for men's retreat. So men, we want to encourage you to get involved. A retreat is that exactly what it is. It's a retreat to get away, retreat away from everything you've been dealing with, the hustle bustles, to get away, to be with other men, to hear from the Lord, to be encouraged, to be edified, to be built up. You're going to get together a whole bunch of guys for a weekend. And I know all craziness could happen from that. You know what I mean? But uh, it's a lot of fun when you get together. I know the ladies do it every year. The guys do it every year. So we want to encourage you to, to be a part of that weekend. It's the, at the end of April. So you'll hear more as we come to sign up and uh, or see uh, Pastor Brian at the Welcome Center if you're interested to talk to him about more. Hey, turn to John, the 18th chapter. John, the 18th chapter. Going to be looking at John 18, verses 28 to 40. I hope you're blessed last week as Pastor Nate shared with you last week here. And, and uh, I was down in a Canto campus last week preaching there and spending time with the brothers and sisters there. And I was blessed to be there. And we're going to continue on where he left off. And really, I've been talking about who's your one. My sermon title is Kingdom Truth. Who's your one you're going to speak the kingdom truth to? Who's that one? We're praying. Who's that one you're praying for? Who's that one you're going to be bold to? Who's that one you're going to speak the kingdom truth to? Uh, there was an elderly man who went to the doctor's because he wasn't feeling well. And so the doctors begin to check and he noticed that he had gained a little bit of weight. They test his blood, that he had uh, uh, signs of increasing diabetes and all these things. So he began to share with this, this man, listen, you got to make some changes. You got to make some health change. You got to make the health decisions. You got to change your diet. You got to begin to put these things into practice and, and change, change the way you're eating, change what you're doing so you can get better. Because if your diabetes kicks in, you're going to be in trouble. And so he said, okay, doctor. And so then 
on his way driving home, he called up his son and he said, hey, I just was at the doctors and, and they're concerned about my health. I got to make some changes. I got to change what I eat. They think they're concerned about diabetes. And the son said, okay, great. You know, I'll check on you and everything like that. So dad went away. A few weeks later, his son calls up to dad and says, dad, have you made the changes necessary for you to feel better? He goes, absolutely. I changed doctors. <laughs> you know, a lot of times that's exactly what we do oftentimes is that God has a way for us. He's given us a, a prescription. He's given us all these things that we need, but we don't like what he has to say. We don't like the truth that he speaks. We don't like how he is. There's only way that we can overcome sickness is if we got to first hear diagnose what the sickness is with, and that's the truth. You don't go to a doctor so he can lie to you. You go to the doctor so he can tell the truth. And we've been given a sickness called sin. And Jesus comes and says, this is how I'm going to address the issue of the sickness called sin. I got to speak the truth. But oftentimes we don't like the truth. So we like to replace it for different types of counsel, different ways of looking at things, different people's opinions, right? But God, as a, as a church, we got to speak the truth and we got to speak the truth in love. That's the only way people are going to be made well. That's the only way people are going to be healed. As we enter in chapter finished off chapter 19, 18. What are we going to see this morning? There's, a, there's been a journey going on, right? In this journey, we find out in the beginning of chapter eight that Jesus is with his disciples and he's in the garden and, and been praying and yet they come to arrest him. And it's here that Peter pulls out his sword and he's going to want to come after Malchus and, and, and Jesus heals this servant of the high priest. And then what we find them is they, they lead Jesus to the high priest Annas. He's, he's there before them. And it's here in this courtyard that Peter denies Jesus. He denies him three times, in fact, as we looked at that story. And now it goes that we find as we're entering into the latter part of chapter 18, now he's being led to Pilate. He's been, in fact, he goes from Annas to Caiaphas and Caiaphas leads him to Pilate. And that's where we come in the story in the 18th chapter of John, starting at verse 28. And so he's setting up what's What's happening with him? And so I want to read that passage and we're going to get into it this morning. It says this, starting at verse 28. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the Praetorium and it was early morning, but they themselves did not go into the Praetorium lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, what accusations do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, if he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. The Pilate said to them, you take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore, the Jews said to him, is it not lawful for us to put anyone to death? That the sayings of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke signifying by what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, are you speaking for yourself about this or do others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you the king then? And Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born and for this cause I've come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to him, I find no fault in him at all. 
but you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they all cried again and saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. Lord, we pray as we enter into your word. Father, you would speak. You would speak by your spirit. And that, Father, you would begin to speak to our hearts and our minds that we would hear from you. Lord, I pray for those in this room here this morning, Lord, that they would receive from you about what this kingdom thing is all about. Not only for us to understand it, but how we're to proclaim it. You came at the beginning of your ministry proclaiming that, behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. And so, Lord, we're praying for that this morning that you speak about your kingdom and what that looks like. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're going to look at a, a several things uh, this, this morning. And we're going to look at chapter 18, look at verses 20 to 20 to, 20 to 32 first, that we have to discern the truth from the lie about Jesus. We have to discern the truth and lie about Jesus, right? And on my notes, it says chapter 19. It should be chapter 18. I made a mistake on my writing, hit the wrong key and stuff. Some of you might be familiar with the movie Just Mercy, just Mercy tells a story of Brian Stevenson, a young lawyer who founded the Equal Justice Initiative, a legal practice dedicated to defending the most desperate and in need, the poor, the wrongly condemned, the women and children trapped in the farthest reaches of the criminal justice system. In fact, this movie focuses on Walter McMillan's story, who was an African-American man who was falsely accused and charged for a crime of killing a young girl, a crime that he didn't commit. Yet he served many years in prison after his trial only lasted two days. Uh, with the help of Brian, he would later be exonerated of his charges and set free. We find Jesus in the same situation. He's standing before Pilate being falsely accused by the religious leaders. They begin to bear false witness of who he was and portraying him as an evildoer. There will be no mercy in this point for Jesus. He's already been beaten by the temple guards and he's verbally assaulted by the religious leaders and they're wounding him emotionally and physically. You know what? Many today can have a wrong view of who Jesus is. They might see him as a good man. They might see him as a prophet, a religious leader. But some even have a hard time believing that Jesus even existed. And many, many believe that he wasn't even on this planet. That they deny his appearance. In fact, the same author that wrote the gospel, John writes in John, 2 John 1, 7 says this, that many do not confess that Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. But let me tell you something. Here's the truth. Jesus is God. He's come in the flesh and the word became flesh. That's the truth. That's doctrine. That's teaching. That's what we believe. But somebody are going to deny that truth. And so you're going to have to discern the truth this morning. In fact, the Jewish leaders, they perpetrated a lie. That's what you're seeing in the story. As Jesus is standing before, they bring Jesus before Pilate, they're going to perpetrate a lie. We're going to see that in verses 28 to 30. Look at this. Then, then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the Praetorium, and it was early in the morning, but they themselves did not go to the Praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, what accusations do you bring against this man? The answer said, if he were not an evildoer, 
he would not have delivered him up to you. So we see that Anna sends to Caiaphas. Jesus being led to Caiaphas before we get to this passage here. Caiaphas was a high priest. The Gospel of John doesn't give much about what happened between Jesus and Caiaphas. But we know this, when he went before Caiaphas, they begin to try to discern who his identity was. Was he really the son of God? Was he really who he claimed to be? And in that time, they begin to bear false witness about who he was and what he claimed to be. And Jesus is challenging Caiaphas, the high priest, is I didn't hide myself from who I was. And as he began to speak to the high priest, many of the religious guards there begin to slug Jesus and, and sucker punch Jesus. And so he gets to begin be beat up before the high priest. You get a full account of that in Matthew, the 26th chapter, 57 to 68, if you want to do a little bit more research. But what we find is he... Jesus is being led away from Caiaphas and now brought into the presence of Pilate. And that's where we just begin this story because what Pilate is a, is a puppet in, in God's plan, right? He, he, he says that Caiaphas sends Jesus to Pilate and he went to the, the, the praetorium, the, the judgment hall. This was the Roman headquarters where Pilate held public business and did court hearings. It's really early, early in the morning by this time. Jesus is praying in the garden and he goes to Anna. So they think it could be about two or three in the morning, maybe some a little later. But we know this, Jesus is on the cross by 9 a.m. And so this is not even at sunrise yet when this is taking place. And we know this about Pilate. Pilate was rude and he was a vicious, rude man who used his power to compensate for his weakness as a leader. In fact, he married into his position. He married the granddaughter of Caesar Augustus. And he had a problem. The Jews didn't really like him because when he got in position, he, would, he went up to the temple and began to put idols up there and worship him as God. And they got mad about him. They, remember, the, the Romans and, and, and the high priests were in cahoots because they were taking money together. That's why Ananias and Caiaphas were against who Jesus was because he was disrupting their business. And he was taking the money from the temple and using it to rebuild the city. So the Jews and, and, and Pilate didn't get along. They didn't like each other. There was corruption going on happening there, corruption with politics in church. So he could care less about the Jews and practice here, Pilate. And, 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 these, and these religious leaders bring to Pilate in the praetorium, but it says that they would not go into the praetorium or the judgment hall that the Jews, the priests were. They stood outside of that hall. You, you see the hypocrisy of the religious leaders the priests, the pastors of the day, the ones that should have been leading the people. There's hypocrisy going on there. They didn't want to go into the court of the, the Gentiles because if they went into court and touched the Gentile prior to the Passover, they would be considered unclean. And if they were unclean, they couldn't participate in the Passover meal, which they were about to celebrate, which is our Easter. The remembrance of the people being led out of Egypt when the firstborn died. But they didn't realize that their wickedness their wicked actions already made them filthy. They violated several of the Ten Commandments of do not kill, do not bear false witness. But yet they were more concerned about the Passover that they missed the real issue here. In fact, Jesus said, you strain the net, but small of the camel. 
You know what? You're more concerned about the little things than the bigger picture. You're concerned about the speck in your brother's eye, but you fail to remove the log in your own eye. You know, religious practices, we can idolize those things. We can make them idols. That's what they're doing with the Passover, right? Easter is a, is a practice where people come once a year to do their homage. You know what I'm talking about? CEOs, Christmas and Easter only? Okay. And they come as they are doing God a, a service they, and they leave and wait for the Christmas season to come. Then they come visit on Christmas. So they visit two times a year. They make their appearance and yet they live apart from God the rest of their lives. Why? Because they don't know God. They worship him with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. But let me tell you something. I'm not here to throw stones. We could do the same thing. We could come to church on Sunday and think that we're doing God's service. We made the sacrifice for him. We got to come to church for two hours out of the week. But the rest of the week, we walk estranged from God. We, we, don't, we don't have devotions. We don't pray. We don't seek him. We don't commune with him. We just come to our time. Some ways you're imprisoned religiously. And, and, and they don't want to touch. They, don't, they haven't seen that. The religious priests haven't seen that. They're blind in what they're doing. And so Pilate comes, why are you bringing him to me? Why, why is he here? What's your purpose of this hearing? I think Pilate's a little disturbed because you woke him up at two or three o'clock in the morning with a mob of people bringing this religious leader here. He's already tired of having drama with the Jews, right? What actions do you bring against this man he's bringing? He, in fact, he comes out to them. What is your indictment against him? What crime has he committed? Why are you bringing him here so early in the morning? But he, they're going to reveal their motive here in a minute, right? But I, I can only imagine here Jesus is standing before a political figure. The religious leaders are standing before the political. Jesus stand before, and they're standing before Pilate. And Jesus is going to get into conversation with Pilate in a moment. But I think we do have a voice in the political world. But I think we've done it incorrectly that we've used our politics in the church to being divided in the church instead of being united. And we got to be careful as we go to the next season of what's coming, that we don't divide over politics because Jesus doesn't really care about the politics. He cares about the gospel. Come on, come on. And you're going to see the gospel and the kingdom being presented to a man who was a politician, a governor of that region. And Jesus is going to speak some kingdom truth to him. See, we're not, we're not married to our politics. We're the bride married to Jesus. In fact, John the Baptist stood up against Herod speaking about his immorality and he got thrown in prison and got his head cut off. I don't think his words were well received. Jesus spoke to the religious leaders about their hypocrisy and his words were not received well either and they saw how they might kill him. For some, the truth might be hard to swallow. But here, 
He's asking, what charges are you bringing? Why are you bringing this man to my court? At any time that there was a judgment or a crucifixion, they always put the crime on that cross. And Pilate will do that. He will put the crime. Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews, will be what he puts on. Because ultimately, that's what they're going to crucify him for. And yet the Jews will dispute this. <laughs> but we see the motive of the religious leaders, do we not? Why, do you, why are you bringing them to me, Pilate says. We know in Luke's gospel, as he tells about this story, the Jews bring an indictment to Pilate about Christ. He says, we found this fellow perverting the nation, forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying he himself is, a, is Christ the king. So here they presented a reason why they are bringing him. That they're going against you, Caesar. They're going against Caesar. They're going against you. They're going against, the, he's going against the pot and he's really a king. He's claiming to be a king. But I find it very interesting that, he, that they call him, an, the religion call him an evil doer. They've already made their judgment on Jesus. They were the judge and jury. They already had him condemned because when Pilate asked that question right here, they don't really ask that, they don't really answer the question. They just said, we're bringing you an evildoer. Jesus, who was with the disciples and gave a ministry for three and a half years, spoke about the kingdom, served the people like a good shepherd and had a reputation that he was an evildoer by the religious leaders. That was his reputation in light of all that he had done. They called him a glutton. They called him a, a drunkard, the devil, a product of fornication, an evildoer. That was, his, that was their description of Jesus. You know what? I think the church gets the same rap sometimes. Gets the same rap, right? The ministry of the church is really to begin to care for the people to, to worship God, to understand who God is, to, to, to train, to equip, and to bless. And we, we service and we help those in need, right? We, we, we pray for the sick. We help in transportation needs. We, we provide in housing assistance. We pay electrical bills. We do a lot of ministry that goes on in this church. And the list could go on and on of all the things that God is doing through New Vision. And then the reputation of the church is it's not caring enough. It's a judgment and we're all judgmental. All the church wants is your money. That's the reputation we get. As the church, that's the judgment we find sometimes. But my challenge to you this morning, don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie. Come on, come on. Jesus gave us a mission to share the gospel, to make disciples, teach them what it means to follow him and that they may love him and others well. That's the truth. That's the kingdom truth that we're called to do. As he's beginning to do these things, we know we see the motive. We see the desire by the Jews. The Jews wanted to see him dead. We see that in verse 31 and 32. Then Pilate said to him, you take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore, the Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of Jesus might be, might be fulfilled, which he spoke signifying by what death he would die. 
I think what's going on here is that Pilate doesn't want to get any more drama with the Jews. He's already had a lot of drama. He's trying to get out of the situation, right? He's in a tough situation. He's trying to find his way how to get out. And he's basically saying, listen, this is not my problem. This is your problem. You judge with your own laws. Well, that's the problem. Because two years earlier, the Romans made a change the law that said that they could not, that the Jews could not practice capital punishment. They could not practice capital punishment. In fact, if that law wasn't there, they most likely would have stoned Jesus for the words that he said. They would have stoned him on the spot. But their ultimate mission and purpose was to see the death of Jesus. That was their mission. That was their goal. But I love the words of John. Remember, John is the author here. And he gives a little commentary in verse 32. As they spoke about what, how he was to die, right? Jesus already had been on a course to go to the cross. But the prophecies of old and his words alone spoke about how he was to die. In fact, in John chapter 12, he says, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He's talking about being lifted up on a cross. Three times Jesus said that he was going to die on a cross. He was going to fulfill the scriptures of Psalm 22, Isaiah 52 and 53, Matthew chapter 20 and 26. John was saying, I just want you to catch a little footnote here of what's going on in his writing. That all that is happening, this kingdom truth, is that Jesus is going to go to the cross. He's not going to be stoned. He's going to be crucified because the Bible said anyone who was a curse was one who died on, a, on the cross or on a tree. Jesus was going to take the whole curse of the world. He was going to take the judgment of the whole world. He was going to take the wrath of his father on himself. That's what his mission was. That's how much he loves. That is kingdom truth. That he was going to take our place. The judgment we should have received, he took it. He took the blow. He saw us like a little kid playing in the street, not paying attention. And when the car came down, he pushed the kid out of the way and took the, he took the hit. In our foolishness, he still saved us. So we have to discern the truth from the lie. That we are speaking to one what the truth is. Here's the second thing. We have to speak the truth about the kingdom. It's in John 18. 33 to 38, right? There was a young married couple walking on a little, they went, they're walking on a path and they're just kind of hiking and they came across this half buried can. And they saw it, it kind of stuck out kind of weird. So they went over, they looked at it and they started to dig it out and they pulled it out. And when they opened it, they discovered there were some old US coins from the 1800 in them. They're like, whoa. And so they, they took them and they wanted to get them appraised. They said in that time and age, 1800s, it was worth about $28,000. But when they did an appraisal of it, they discovered today that value of those U.S. coins in the 1800s are valued over $10 million. Valued over $10 million. I think of the story of Matthew, the 10th, 13th chapter, verse 44, it says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The kingdom. This kingdom that we're a part of is rich. God has blessed us with a rich king. This kingdom is heaven. This kingdom is where the king rules. This kingdom we worship that we, we're going to go to is our heavenly home. This is the kingdom. He's going to start presenting to Pilate because the kingdom 
of God is heaven. And I find this, that Pilate and Jesus are going to have a moment here. The crowd is out here. He's out there talking to the crowd, but he, he goes inside the praetorium and he calls Jesus to him. Pilate does, and now they're going to have a private conversation. And I love this because Jesus loves to engage in people. He loves to talk. Oftentimes he would have private moments with a, a woman at a well, right? Zacchaeus at a dinner, a man on the pallet. He had private moments with people. He's going to have a private moment with Pilate. There's times where we do public proclamation to the mass, but there's times where we just do private conversation with the people. And there's a private conversation that we're going to get to see a little bit. It says, then Pilate entered the praetorium again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered and said, are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? The first thing we see in verse 33 is that in some ways, maybe Pilate is, is seeking the truth about this situation. Are, are you really a king? Is this what they want to crucify you for? Right? I, I love the seeking of Pilate. Let me tell you, there's people seeking today. They're seeking for something. They're, they're, they're looking for something. And so Pilate is having this conversation because he wants to get information from Jesus or, uh, are you a king of the Jews? I, I, tell me the truth. Now, I want you to picture this because you don't see this in the text. Jesus is in the presence of Pilate, but think about this now. He's been beaten up already by the religious leaders. So his appearance is not becoming. He looks like a box that has been gone around 12 times, rings about 12 times in the ring. Beat up, hit in the face, right? He doesn't look like a king. In fact, Jesus didn't even look like a king who traveled with 12 men who were basically fishermen, zealots, and outcasts. What type of kingdom are we talking about here? Yet he opened up his ministry preaching about the kingdom of God. We are a part of that kingdom, us misfits in this room. Part of the kingdom of God. Yet every kingdom needs a king, <laughs> right? And yet, Pilate asks him a question, and Jesus doesn't answer the question, but he responds with another question, right? Because he asks him, why are you asking that? Why are you asking if I am a king? Why are you asking, are you really wanting to know? Do you want to know, or did somebody else you just give you that information? Remember, that was the question they already said in Luke. It says, oh, he claimed to be a king. So he kind of had that in the back of his mind or that's why he asked this question. But a lot of times people will ask questions not because they really want to answer, but they want to argue. Right? Well, did, Je just, did Jesus really, really heal the sick? Like, and, and, and people want to argue more than they want answers. Let me, let me tell you some guys in... We're going to send you out in a couple of weeks as a church. Yes, we want to send you out. We want you to go care for people. We want you to go love people. We're going to give you resources to go do that. And you might just be in a laundromat. You might be at a coffee shop. You might be at your job. You might be wherever God puts you to do to go talk to that one. 
But we come in the name of Jesus, we come in love. When people want to start arguing, that's not our mission. We're not here to argue with people. And but in fact, the Bible says, don't waste your saliva. It says, hold your tongue. It says. So we're not here to argue, and we're not even here to debate. Because the word debate, debate means to beat down. I'm not here to beat you down. I'm actually here to lift you up. I'm actually here to love on you and care for you and encourage you and come alongside you in this difficult and hard time. See, our mission is not so much to bring judgment on people. The Bible says for me to be a witness, not a judge. <laughs> to bear witness, right? We easily want to judge. Well, I can't believe you're living like this and acting like this and doing like this and da-da-da like this and all this, 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 and this. We become like the religious, religious leaders. But are we praying for them? Because the Holy Spirit is the one who cleans up the mess. The Holy Spirit is the one who does the transformation. The Holy Spirit is the one who begins to change. So be careful that as we begin, we don't throw stones because we live in a glass house. Listen, they're, they're, he's, he's asking, why, do you, why are you asking me about these things? I think Jesus is rattling Pilate's cage a little bit. He's rattled by his answer because in the frustration, he says, am I a Jew? Am I a Jew? What he's saying is like, the Jew, I have nothing. I'm not a Jew. I have nothing to do. I don't know. I don't really know your faith. I don't know everything you're about. And, and you're bringing this mess to my house. I'm not one of you, but your own people accuse you. In fact, your own people delivered you to my hands. They handed you to me on a platter. But I want you to understand something this morning. Jesus wasn't coerced to be before Pilate. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. He went willfully to Pilate. He went willfully. We're going to look at more of this next week when we get into 19, right? He went to Pilate's hall of judgment to be delivered, be a deliverer of man's sin. Jesus had to go through hell for us to go to heaven. Jesus had to go through hell for us to go to heaven. Right. In fact, he asked another question, Pilate. What did you do for, for these leaders? What did you do to these leaders that they want to see you dead? Ah, Jesus could have pulled out his resume right here, right? He could have, he could have pulled out his resume, right? But he doesn't because the humble, I'll exalt the pride, I'll cast out. But I, I'm going to bring his resume this morning. So you could understand how he probably, if it was me, I would have answered it this way. But I'm not Jesus, all right? But I never sinned again. I never sinned. I was sinless. I healed the blind. I raised the dead. I fed the thousands. I walked on water. I calmed the storms. I cast all demons. I confronted, I confronted corruption. I poured my life into 12 men. I came to serve and give my life a ransom for many. That's about it. Are any of these things a criminal offense? That was his resume. That's what he did. That's what he said. That's what I believe he would have said, but he didn't. That's what I would have said. And then Jesus turns around and he begins to share the truth about his kingdom. Look at verse 36. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. 
If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Ah, oh, he gets to some kingdom teaching. There's a whole study through the kingdom, through the gospels. He's, he does parables about the kingdom. You have to go back and look at Matthews and, and Luke and stuff. He's beginning to bring some understanding of some kingdom theology. His kingdom is eternal. It's everlasting. It will never have an end, right? In fact, in the Lord's prayer, what do we say? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. He wanted people on earth to experience a little bit of the kingdom. That this is not the kingdom. This world is not the kingdom. This world is not paradise. Like the Jehovah Witness believe. Come on, come on. The Jehovah's would believe this is paradise. That's a lie, right? This world is the kingdom of Satan. He is the prince of power of the air, Ephesians 2. The ruler of this world in John 14, 30. The God of this age, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. He rules here. Now, God is the ruler and king of all kings right? Satan had to come to God to ask for Job. So God is still ruling, but understand this earth, what we see, this fallen world is not our, is not our kingdom. It's not our kingdom, right? In fact, if my kingdom was earthly, my servants would be fighting for me right now. There'd, there'd be an uprising for me right now. What? Peter tried to do that with a sword. Not tonight, Peter. Not tonight. Put that sword in your sheath. We're using a different sword because my warfare and my weapons of warfare are not carnal, but spiritual because the kingdom is spiritual. See, you have to understand this morning that we are kingdom builders. We are kingdom builders, right? That's why we're called citizens of heaven. That's why we're in this world and not of this world. And that's why we're called to seek the kingdom for seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. We're kingdom seekers. We're kingdom builders. We're kingdom worshipers. The reason why the world is so unsatisfied, the reason it's so unsatisfied on, on this side of heaven is because we were never created to be in this place forever. This is not our heaven. And then he says, by faith, I've just positioned you to be kingdom ambassadors right? Uh, you're an ambassador. An ambassador is one who represents the king to other people or other nations. Guys, you are kingdom ambassadors to go preach the mysteries of the word, which is the gospel. You are called to go forth and preach the gospel. You're not called to hide yourself. You're not called to be ashamed of the gospel. You're not called for any of that. You're called to go forth as kingdom warriors to proclaim this truth. And that's what we're praying about this next week. We have to be armored up before we go out. We have to be on our knees before we could stand. So we need to begin to prepare ourselves that God, you're going to give us the words to speak. But the question then is this, where is the kingdom? Sometimes we go, well, the kingdom's up there. No, the kingdom is wherever the king is. Where is the king? Within. For the kingdom is within. And when we go out and we engage the people, we bring God's kingdom with us. We want it to be peaceable, filled with the fruits of the Spirit, because the law of love requires that. For the fruit of the Spirit is love. For God is love. What is Jesus trying to do? Jesus is trying to draw Pilate closer to the kingdom. 
Let me tell you about this kingdom. Let me tell you about my story. Let me tell you why here. And he begins to reveal that to him, right? He begins to reveal why he came. Look at verse 37 and 38. He, I, I came to bear witness of the truth, to bear witness of the kingdom. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? He's asking him the same question again. Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am king for this cause I was born and for this cause I've come into the world that I should bear witness to truth. And everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? <laughs> what is truth? He's asking a question, are you a king? He's trying to, I think he's trying to comprehend Jesus' word. Have you ever tried to share your faith with somebody and they're just like, are you, what are you, are you saying this? Uh, I'm hearing, is this what this means? I think Pat is trying to understand these words because the language he's not familiar with, right? He's not, Pat is not familiar with kingdom language. That's not part of his voice. Guys, we could go talk to people. Let's talk their language, Right? Sometimes we can use spiritual language and, and spiritual things. They're like, what, what, what are you talking about? That makes no sense to me. Just, just talk to them normally and don't get all spiritual. Oh, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> you ever notice with people, they change their voices when they do certain things? Like, you don't talk like that normally. Like, come on. People want authenticity. They don't want to show. And we're seeing here, he's trying to comprehend Jesus' words and Jesus will affirm his words. Yes, I am a king. I'm the king of truth because I am the way, the truth, and life. And this is the reason why I was born. He's making a truth statement and he's a bear witness of the truth. My witness, my mission was to bear witness of the truth. Paul the apostle talks to young Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 13. He's encouraged him to be a good witness. He says, you be a good witness like Jesus was a good witness to Pilate. <laughs> we are called to be witnesses, right? We're called to tell, let people know. In fact, the word witness in the Greek is actually the word martyr. We are called to lay down our lives to bear witness of who Jesus is. And then Pilate says, what is the truth? You're the truth. What is the truth? You're talking about bear witness to the truth. What is the truth? I, I love it. He poses a question, but doesn't stick around to hear the answer. You know, you tell people, ah, that's your truth. Right? They, they ask you that and then they walk away, right? But I think that's an important question. There are absolute truths, guys. You fly a plane at 35,000 feet and that engine go down, it's coming down. That's the plain truth. <laughs> You can't say, oh, it really didn't happen. No, it, it crashed. It crashed. That's the truth. But we live in a world of relativism. Your reality is different than my reality. Situational ethics. We, don't, we, we do what's right in the moment. Uh, I trust science for the truth. That even takes faith, right? Your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth. Here's the question to all this. Where did your truth originate from? Where did your truth originate from? Would you say murder is bad? They might probably most likely say yes. On what basis of this is true? Like, where, did, where, was, where is it? Why, well, tell me how you came to that conclusion. Because if Jesus is the truth and you don't believe him and you don't believe the Bible's true and you don't believe any other thing, then what is your truth? And where do you, how do you walk in the truth? And where do you get your, it's, your truth isn't a feeling. 
Truth is an absolute. Jesus was an absolute. Jesus, the truth was a person. And people struggle with that. God gave us a conscience of the truth. We just need to believe and heed it. We know when we ain't supposed to be doing something bad, right? We know when we're going to do something, we're looking to see if anybody's watching, right? Come on now. Because there's a conscience and that's the spirit, I believe. That's the Holy Spirit saying, I'm, I'm trying to get your conscience right now. I got a warning light flashing. Then the red light says, stop. Right, that's the spirit. Whether you're saved or not saved, God, the Holy Spirit brings conviction. It affects the conscience. I'm not talking Jiminy Cricket here. I'm talking the Holy Spirit speaking. The Holy Spirit still speaks. He speaks to us. Listen, I think of the indictment in the book of Joshua during the end of his reign was when the people did what was right in their own eyes. <laughs> they did what was right in their own eyes. I think we live in a world like that and it's scary. We believe in a world that doesn't believe in absolute truth. And that's a battle you're going to battle when you go out there. But Jesus marks those who are of the truth. He says, those who are of the truth, hear my voice. I love that. He says, let me tell you the real mark of a true believer. This is the Bible says in John 10 that the sheep hear his voice. The real mark of Billy, they hear my voice. And I think what, what, what Jesus is doing to Pilate is says, Pilate, do you hear my voice? Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you want to come to the truth? Do you want to believe in me? Right? Are you listening, Pilate? I think God is even speaking this morning to you this morning. Are you listening? Do you hear his truth? Because we as followers are called to walk in the truth. We are to abide in the truth. In fact, John in his last epistles writes this, I have no greater joy to hear that my children walk in the truth. See, we have the truth. We need to live the truth out. People could be all concerned about doctrine and we want, doctrine's important. We need to know what the truth is. We need to stand and abide in it. But the greatest thing for the world is to, by us as a church is to see us live the truth out. Outside these doors. That's how they're going to come to know the truth. Sometimes they may not come to know the truth by our words. They're going to come to know the truth by our life. That's why it says in the gospel of Mark, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. But as I close this morning, Pilate crumbles under the truth. <laughs> he crumbles under, look at 38 through 40 there. I don't know if you've been praying, I've been praying for Syria and Turkey as they had those earthquakes. In fact, over 40,000 people perished in the earthquakes. They're, they're, they died when the buildings and the homes collapsed on them. I think the reason those homes collapsed is because they, didn't, they built on a bad foundation and, and a poor structure that, that could not withstand the force of the quake. And the results of the building came crumbling down. I think this is what's happening here. I think it's happening in our culture. The foundation of truth is missing. It's missing in Pilate's life. And the force of the pressure of the people is too much for Pilate. He will crumble under the pressure. Our faith, founded on truth, 
will be the only means by which we will endure the pressure of the world that we face. And when things are shaken, we can't crumble. We have to abide. We have to walk. But we see here, Pilate came to some knowledge of a truth. It says, and when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him, but you have a custom that I should release somebody to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you king of the Jews? Pilate came to a conclusion. He came to a truth. This man has done nothing wrong. Here, Pilate has a sense of justice, a sense of what is right. We all have a sense of justice in us. You see it in your kids, right, when they fight. And they take something and they say, it's not fair. Some of us say, it's not fair, right? All of us have said that at some point in our life because we have a sense of justice built in us. That justice comes from the kingdom. That justice comes from God. We can talk about justice in the world. There's a kingdom justice and his throne is based on justice. That's why he can be the judge because he's just judge. And he's saying, there's no fault to this man. Your accusation of this man is not true. Your accounts are misleading. Your stories are false. His reputation does not match your words. In my eyes, he's clean of all charges. That's, he's trying to get out of this. I find it interesting. If you look at what happens in the past week, John doesn't get into it. But the Passion Week, Jesus is going through all these trials against authorities and who he is, his identity, all that. Because they're, they're, they're beginning to look at him as the Lamb of God. In that culture, when they were going to sacrifice a lamb, they would take a lamb to the priest and the priest would examine the lamb before it was slaughtered on the altar to see if it had any blemishes. If it didn't have any blemishes, it could be used for sacrifice. Jesus is going through an evaluation. Jesus is going through the evaluation through the priest, through Pilate. He's going to see, is he blameless? He has been found blameless by Pilate. That's why he can go to the cross and be the Passover lamb. His sacrifice because Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's been cleared of all blemishes to be a, the ultimate Passover lamb. And then Pilate tries to release him in verse 39. He says, oh, we have a custom. Oh, here's my way out. Here's my custom. I have a, I can, I have a place to, a person I can pardon. This practice can allow this pardon of this prisoner. I can get out of this situation dilemma, but the pressure of the crowd will not afford it. This is Pilate's moment of truth. He had the opportunity to defend truth, but he fell to the pressures of the people. He crumbled over the cries of the crowd, over to the high priests. Let me tell you something. Acting on truth is a choice. Acting on truth is a choice. Listen, we will be tested to stand for the truth. Faith kicks in. Be bold in the truth regardless of what the crowd is yelling. Stand on the truth. But because he crumbled, he traded a lie for the truth. Then they all cried again saying, not this man, Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. The world wants to trade a lie for the truth. Which I'll show you the truth for the lie, I should say. He wants that they want to switch it. I'd rather believe a lie than a truth. And that's what they're doing. The world has bought that. We bought it. 
Don't give me Jesus, give me Barabbas. That was the chant of the crowd. In fact, Matthew and Mark's gospel states that the religious leaders provoked the crowd to cry out for Barabbas. This world, just like that world, had influencers. And we find them in social media, Instagram, Facebook, all over, TV, radio, pushing people to cry out for what is, what is not right. We have to be influencers. We have a voice. In fact, the word Barabbas, his name means son of the father. Son of the father. And with their voices in their request, they worship the wrong son. <laughs> He was described as a robber or a thief. What a picture of the enemy dressed in truth, right? The Bible says that the devil dresses as an angel light. And Jesus speaking to the religious, he says, you are the father. You are of your father, the devil. And the desire of your father, you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and a father of it. Satan is a thief to rob you of the truth. And Pilate falls under the pressure of the culture. And what does it say? Fairy and Jew? Pilate says in the scriptures that Pilate wanted them to be gratified. He wanted the crowd to be gratified. That he wanted them to sold to their own pleasures, their own desires. Many chose to exchange Jesus for other things. Who are the, what is the Barabbas in your life? What are the things you put before Jesus? What are the things you put before God? They released a terrorist. Barabbas was a murderer, it says in the scriptures. He was a terrorist. Satan is a terrorist and he has brought torment all around us. And they traded, but Jesus traded places with Barabbas on our behalf. That he could go to the cross. That he could become sin, that we might become the righteousness of God because all of us have been Barabbases at one time. We robbed God of his truth. We, we spoke unkindly about his church and we had hatred for others in our hearts somewhere, unforgiveness, bitterness, judgment. So here, how do we respond to this? Who finds the truth faster? The man who's lost but won't stop for direction or a woman who does? Of course, the answer is the woman. The quality that separates the two travelers isn't information or brain power. It's humility. It's humility. If I want the truth, it starts with humility. It starts there. We don't enter the kingdom standing up. We enter the kingdom on bended knee. And Jesus is trying to draw Pilate to the kingdom. We're trying to draw people to the kingdom. That's our mission. We're trying to draw people closer to Jesus that they would receive him. And so my challenge this morning, who's your one that you're going to speak kingdom truth to? But first you have to discern the truth from the lie about Jesus. You have to know who Jesus is. Second, speak the truth about Jesus and his kingdom. That's the gospel. And lastly, don't trade the truth for the lie. Don't trade the truth for the lie. Because that's a ploy of the enemy. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your love and your blessings, for your goodness and your mercy and grace, Lord. Lord, I pray this morning, uh, your hand upon your people, Lord.
We've been fed a lot of stuff in our culture, a lot of lies about who you are and your power. Even in the church, we don't even believe that you're powerful. We believe in a lot of other things, but your spirit. But Father, we need your spirit this morning. We need your power this morning. Father, we humble ourselves before you this morning because the kingdom is filled with humble servants. Because you said the greatest in the kingdom is a servant. <laughs> it's going to be filled with humble servants all over the place. Morning, Lord, that if there's anyone in this room who has come this morning and they feel far from you, Lord, you made a way for us to come near to you. That's why we call you Emmanuel, God with us. And I pray this morning, if there's somebody here this morning that just needs a touch from heaven, Lord, a filling of your spirit, a healing of the heart, a change of the mind, because the enemy has lied. I just pray that you raise your hand this morning. I can pray for you this morning. Anybody here that I can pray for this morning? See you. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for your, your people before you, Lord. It's with humbleness that they raise their hands. Not in, not in arrogance, not in pride. Take courage to be humble. And they raise their hearts before you this morning to call on your name because you are the power by which transforms people. Your spirit is what lives in us. And I pray for them this morning as they call upon your name, that you fill them up with your spirit. They would walk in your power and your might by faith, Lord, because it's faith that saves us, not our works. We're not saved by our works. We're saved by your work. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.